This is All the Cool Parts number 37. On this episode of All the Cool Parts, Hardcore Repertoire number two, Frederick Chevsky's The People United Will Never Be Defeated. Everybody, welcome to All the Cool Parts 37, where we're going to talk about Frederick Shevsky's incredible piano piece, uh, The People United Will Never Be Defeated. And on this show, I'm joined by my guest co host, David McDonald of Sound Notion fame. What's fame, up, David? Huh? Fame. That's right. All right. I'll go with it. How's it going, Anthony? <laughs> it's going good. Um, I'm really glad to have you on the show to uh, share in my geek love of this piece. Glad to be here. This is a fun one. Yeah. Um, And uh, before we get into everything, uh, I thought I'd talk a little bit about our own histories with the piece. How did you discover this piece? Was this the first piece of Shevsky that you heard? Actually, no. Um, it It was among the first. I was first introduced to Zhevsky when I was in school. We had a guest pianist coming in to perform another Zhevsky piece, uh, De Profundis. Are you familiar with De Profundis? No. Oh, you should check it out. It's wonderful. Um, it's it's based on a, a letter that uh, Oscar Wilde wrote while he was in jail. And it's, it's a really kind of theatrical work, even more so than, than The People United. There's a lot more kind of speaking and singing and, and other sorts of things in it. Um, and kind of while I was getting getting my mind right, as the pro athletes say, for uh, this this residency of this artist, I was going through some some older Zhevsky pieces and uh, I, I discovered this and just really dug into it hard because it's such a meaty these kinds of evening length piano works are things that you don't hear. So uh, it's the evening length is like an hour, but like the, the whole, you know, meal of a piano work is not something right. that a lot of people write anymore. No, no, man, this is not something that a lot of people can play. I mean, even if they oh, have the goodness, technical no. ability, um, you know, that having the technical ability is one thing, but having just the stamina to play something like this is another, you know, you know I was thinking about that the other day. I was listening to the end of it and there's, some stuff at the end that it's it's the last like three or four pages of the score before you get to the the cadenza that we'll talk about later and the patience that the the performer that i I was listening to a different recording than we're going to listen to today but the patience that the performer has to have in the that last bit of the last variation i don't think i would be able like i'm four pages from the end of this hour-long thing I'm getting through this because it's time to go to bed. I need a nap. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's like a marathon, really. Um, it's an incredible feat just to be able to play the whole thing as a performer. Um, yeah, my introduction to this piece was, um, it's a little embarrassing to uh, admit, but I went um, to this festival thing in Cincinnati in 2002 in the summer of 2002 and the the big guest 
composer was Shevsky. And I had never heard of him. I had no idea who he was. I had never heard any of his music. And um, he, I don't know. I You know, now looking back, I wish I would have approached him and talked to him, you know. But at the time, I, you know, I said I didn't know who he was. Uh, he seemed very unapproachable. He just, I, you know, I saw him a couple times, <laughs> like hanging out outside. He just seemed like he, he just wanted to be left alone. I don't know if that's just my own uh, perception, you know. But uh, that, you know, at the time, I just, I don't know. I just didn't approach him. And uh, so, you know, I went back and told people how it was. And they were like, well, how was Chevsky? And I was like, well, I don't know, you know. I don't really know who he is. And and of course they were like, "What?" <laughs> you know, you're at this thing with this guy and, you know, you didn't even talk to him. And so they're like, "Well, you know, you need to hear this piece." And so I listened to this piece and of course I was like, "Oh my god. What did I what did I do?" You know, I missed a a, a big opportunity there. But um yeah, that was my first introduction to the piece. I was totally blown away by it from the beginning. And, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put it out there. I'm just gonna, gonna drop the, uh, drop the hammer and say that I think this is the greatest piece for solo piano written in the 20th century. Whoa. I went there. I did it. Whoa. I said it. You're throwing bombs. I know. I know. I, you know, I'm trying to think <laughs> there aren't a lot that I would, that I would put above this. My, I mean, I have, I have some that are kind of I have a personal relationship with that I would that I would put ahead of this, but I don't have any reason other than, you know, my own personal biases. I'm a big fan of uh, Hindemith's Ludus Tonalis. Yes, that's uh, definitely another great one. Yep. But uh, yeah, this is, this is a, 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 there, there aren't, certainly aren't a lot in, in competition with this. Also, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, George Crumb's uh, Macrocosmos. Yes. And it's interesting, you know, because you can hear techniques and, and influences from those pieces in this piece. Yeah. You know, all over the place. In fact, I mean, you can, this is, this piece is like a, it's like a giant compendium of really kind of every pianistic <laughs> technique and, uh, comp, you know, uh, performance technique and compositional technique that had come before it. Uh, almost completely you know you know back yeah. even before the piano even to keyboard technique and harpsichord and um well and Jevsky's a like a pianist he's a he's a yeah. really good pianist yeah obviously uh, obviously he was he was playing this kind of stuff um so i mean he's he's got all of that piano technique stuff in his ears and in his fingers when he's writing yeah and he, it shows right and it's just such an incredible synthesis of the the keyboard up until 1975 because there's techniques that that go back hundreds of years that he's using and then there's techniques that were you know absolutely cutting edge up to that you know moment that it was written sure to the point of bringing in popular tunes yep yeah yeah um so little in a really obvious deliberate way yes (laughs) um a little bit about chevsky um, he was born uh, April 13th, 1938. And, uh, you know, like you sort of mentioned earlier, you know, he's not only written uh, pieces like this that are more standard, you know, notated music pieces, but a lot of his pieces involve heavy theatrics. Some some are almost more on the side of theater. You know, uh, there's there, there's so much theatrics to them. Um, his pieces tend to, you know, explore these themes of sort of socio-political themes many times. Um, and, uh, yeah, like you said, virtuoso pianist, um, I don't know. Just, uh, just last year he premiered his own piano concerto at the proms. Really? BBC proms. Yeah. Oh wow! I'd love to hear so that he, piece. He played the solo part on it. Yeah. I think it was. I don't know if these things are archived forever, but I think a lot of times they're archived for a short period of time that you can watch video. 
And I've seen video of a lot of prom stuff. I don't know if I've seen this, but you should. We should look and see if that's available. Oh yeah, I see it now. It's the cadenza con o senza Beethoven. Is that be. right? I it's, it's been it's been a year since I've thought about it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to read this. Uh, what Nicholas Slonimsky said. Are you familiar with Nicholas Slonimsky? Oh sure. So he, he of the lexicon of musical invective. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's a he's a musician that really I mean was just a super genius. But anyway, um, he said of Chevsky, uh, he is furthermore a granitically overpowering piano technician capable of depositing huge boulders of sonoristic material across the keyboard without actually wrecking the instrument. So <laughs> that's a that great was, line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, let's get on with uh, just listening to uh, some of these excerpts and uh, talking about the music. And uh, do we want to talk about the form now or do we want to talk about it at all? Well, I mean, I think it's the pretty form special. is, is uh, it, I mean, just very generally theme and variations is kind of, I always think of as the the composer's version of a concerto. Like it's the it's the show off technique thing that composers do, um, in the way that a concerto is the show off technique thing that performers do, right? Because um, you get to 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 really stretch out and show how much variety you can pull out of simple materials and how you can um, allude to a thing in as subtle a way as possible, but still be very clear. And there's a lot of really nice technical things that you get to play with in in theme and variations yeah definitely and he this is so structured i mean in a very specific way um it's uh 36 variations and they're broken up into uh six sets of six right um and then how it works is you have like variations one through five and then variation six is like variation one through five condensed so it takes you know all the previous variations and then puts them all into a sort of summary variation if you will and then the next set of six works the same way you know so it ends with a summary of the five that came before it and then the last variation the last six variations are all summary variations of all the sets that came before it so and then uh and the very last variation is the summary of all the variations that's that's right each get like a measure and a half that's right yeah the very last one is a summary of the whole thing and then um in this particular recording that we're going to hear by pianist mark andre hamlin he actually performs the improvised or improvised cadenza which in the score is just it just says improvised cadenza there's no music there so it opens it up for the performer to do an improvisation if they want to. And most classical pianists are not comfortable with this, but Marc Andre does do like a six and a half minute improvisation, which we will uh, play a little bit of and talk about it when we get to it. But the first variation we're going to hear is from variation nine. And uh, this is kind of a, you know, we're going to start kind of subdued here. Um, in the intro, we heard the theme is is how it sounds so uh i guess we didn't talk about this but the you, well, yeah i was gonna say do we want to talk about the nature of the theme yeah itself? of course <laughs> so uh the piece is mainly based on uh a chilean song called el pueblo unido jamás será vencido which means the people united will never be defeated um it was composed by sergio ortega the text written by i'm not going to say this right uh Quila Payun. I don't know. I'm probably not saying that right. Whatever. Uh, yeah. Composed in uh, 1973. And it was a song used uh, especially in the 70s uh, when this coup was going on, led by Pinochet, uh, backed by <laughs> the American government. Um, and uh, it was uh, when this coup overthrew the, so- the previous socialist government. Uh, uh, in Chile and there was a big resistance to this and this was the big resistance song that was sung in the streets by the resistance and uh, was picked up 
by Chevsky uh, and uses the main theme for these variations. So this is what we're talking about. This song that we heard uh, in the intro, uh, The People United Will Never Be Defeated. So these are variations on that song. Um, anything you want to say about that? No, I think that's, I think you, you covered it. Okay. That's all I would have said. So variation nine, um, like I said, this is a, a more subdued variation. Uh, it's a, I, I read somewhere that it's a, the, the feel of it is kind of a reference to Chopin's funeral march. And, uh, it's definitely got that funeral march feel. One thing that stands out to me, you know, I have, we both, you know, looked at the score to this piece, you know, I have the score to this piece and, uh, when you look in the score, the, the That's my favorite part of it. Yeah. 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 And the, the rhythms to this variation, um, are complex, you know, uh, the rhythms in the left hand are these, all these quintuplets and all this stuff. But what gets me about it as, is if you, um, get away from the score and you just listen to the music, it sounds completely natural it doesn't sound like this sort of contrived complex rhythmic thing it sounds natural you know um yeah what do you think of this variation well i think it does sound natural but it also sounds like it it sounds natural in the in the the way that it's performed is, is is feels symmetrical in some way but I also feel like I can tell when I listen to it that it's not a typical like kind of march-like rhythm, that there's something unusual about it, but I wouldn't think that I would have guessed that it is exactly the kind of rhythm that it is. And it also feels very measured, but also unpredictable. Like the, there's, yes. it's, not, it's not consistently repeating the same rhythm but it is repeating the same kind of texture so it leads you to expect something more like direct repetition but you never quite get a direct repetition that's right and I, yeah. I really enjoy that yeah awesome so let's check out this uh, first variation from the people united will never be defeated this is variation nine And we just heard variation nine and we're going to move on to variation 13. Um, and I'll let I you uh, take this one. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm glad that you picked nine. We, it, I, I don't know if you, you, you disclose this kind of behind the curtain thing to the audience, but we each pick a few excerpts. And if you had not picked nine, I was going to have picked nine. <laughs> um, so uh, variation 13 is a really fun one. It is the the first variation of the third set of six, um, and it it has this really delightful kind of bluesy jazz feel. And I the first thing I think of when I listen to it is it is the kind of bluesy thing that I associate with gospel. And I don't know if this was Jevsky's intention or not, but the kind of leftist work song thing of the of of the theme the people united theme uh makes me draw a connection between this variation and the the u.s civil rights uh struggles of the 60s and 70s um and and i i I think that's kind of the the connection that he's going for it feels um like the the sort of decorations that are in here are the sort of kind of improvised vocal uh, ornaments that I would expect in 
gospel performance. Do you get that or am I crazy? Uh, that's a very interesting take. I never uh, took that from it, but I can totally see what you're yeah, what you're getting at now. Um, yeah, I never even considered that. That's a very interesting take on this and, variation. And then, okay, sorry, go ahead. No, that, go ahead. And, and the other thing that's cool about this is this is, I, I, at least from, from my listening, the first time that we get another tune. Right. There, there are a couple of, of, of secondary leftist popular you know protest song tunes that are stuck in here and this is the first one and it's done in this really interesting way that everything else kind of stops and there is this kind of echo of this other idea this this italian song which is and i guess the italian song bandiera rosa is 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 probably a few decades older than uh the people united so, oh, it's it's in, from like uh, uh like nineteen thirteen or something. Yeah, it's it from written. it's from yeah. uh, Mussolini. No, it well, it was written or even pre Mussolini. It was used. That's uh, right. Yeah. Later, it was kind of revived, I guess. Right. But yeah, so um, it's it's a it's it's an interesting way to to put this extra thing in, and it's done in a different key, so it really sticks yeah. out when it happens. Um, I, I, I don't really know what, what else I can say about it other than I think it's a really interesting thing just because it's so, it's not jarring, but it is really different than the thing that happens right before it. Right. And yeah, and I really like the way it's presented. You said it, you know, at the very end, like this faint echo, um, in a different key and it's almost presented as, as this, uh, I don't know. I always, I've always heard it as like this ghost from the past. This is sort of ever present um, thing, you know, that is related. The ghost of leftist past. It, right. You know, that's something that is related to what was going on then, you know, it was basically, you know, yeah. um, the same thing all over again, kind of. Um, and it was the same kind of song, you know, it was, used in the same way and although in a completely different time by different people in a different part of the world but it was used as a rallying song that was sung by people in the streets and um yeah man i, and and I think that makes even even stronger i think for me when i listen to it the connection to the the blues and gospel yeah u.s civil rights stuff that i mentioned before um i think it kind of ties all of that stuff together and in, into one continuous you know, all of this has happened before and all of this will happen again. Kind right. Of thing. Right. Cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's check this one out. This is variation 13.
And we just heard variation 13. We're going to move on to the very next variation, variation 14. Uh, this happens right after this ghostly um, echo of Bendiera Rosa comes in. And uh, this is, again, a, a kind of a strikingly different variation. Um, it's kind of a testament to Jevsky's versatility, you know, as a just just a musician. You know, it's very... Uh, free sounding you know and jazz like but but jazz like of the time it's almost like Keith Jarrett or something um, is kind of what it reminds me of uh, and it it does have some other tune going on I couldn't it's it's not quite Bandiera Rosa or it might be a variant I'm not sure it's definitely not Solidarity Song and it's not quite the people united but it's right in the middle of the um, of the variation and you can hear this tune among you know all this other stuff that's going on in the piano um, what did you think of this one well I think I think the thing you're thinking of uh, is I at least it, it, when I listen to it I, I hear it as a connection to Banjo Rosa the kind of the the do re mi thing the right the, so you think is, it's a variant of yeah okay. I think it's, a, yeah. it's certainly a reference to that that that's to me, the the distinctive thing that he uses a lot from that, and then w you mentioned uh, the uh, the Heisler Brecht song that he uses later. And there's a, there are some other distinctive things that he pulls from that. I think the the do re mi figure in in Banjo Rosa is the thing that he pulls from here. But yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, uh, this is one of those ones that's like r really pianistic, and I I feel like. Even if I had the idea for all of these notes, I would not have been able to <laughs> compile them into something that a pianist could play. Right, right, right. Without being a virtuoso, a virtuoso pianist like Jevsky. Yeah, th yeah. This is one of those that you sit in the audience as a composer and you're like, "Damn, I'll never be able to write that f for piano." <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Um, this is one of those those things that make me think I could never write for piano. I'm just I'm just too dumb. Right for piano. <laughs> right. Um, so let's check this out. This uh, variation, uh, variation fourteen. And we just heard variation 14. I'm going to move on to variation 20. Speaking um, of variations that are very pianistic. Yeah, I you know, I chose this one just because I love the just sheer crazy virtuosity of this one. Um, it's definitely, you know, another variation of the people united. Uh, but it's just, it's like, it's like 19th century virtuoso sonata music on speed. Is what this is like. Um, was I think you're thinking of list. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like list, you know, like normal list on opium, but then if he also chased it with speed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this is. Um, so it's got a lot of that 19th century, like you said, listian kind of virtuoso pianistic technique, um, just done it like a a stupid breakneck speed. <laughs> Yeah, what do you think of this one? It's fun. I yeah, mean, yeah. I think you, I think you, you nailed it. It's, it's just a lot of fun. And like you said, it's one of the, one of the more, 
um, clear variations. Like it's you can you can follow the form of the theme right through. Some of them get a little uh, clouded, uh, and, and those are the ones that I that I, I I also enjoy because they are they they require me to to really sit up and pay attention to try to follow the theme. But this one is just boom. Here it is, and you're gonna like it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, that's kind of how Chevsky is, man. He's, he's, he's so uncompromising, you know, as I think as a person, you know, and as a composer, that's kind of how his music is. It's just like, bam, here it is. If you don't like it, F you. That's kind of, that's kind of, you know, the vibe. That's that what I get. I get from this variation anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, so here it is uh, variation 20. heard of variation 20 we're going to move on to variation 26 and this is one of yours yeah uh so variation 26 uh is another one of the the introductions of of another tune and i really like these because it's an hour-long thing that is based on a single theme and that is something that I, as a composer, would really struggle to do. I don't know uh, what you think, if you've thought about that, Anthony. Mm, absolutely, yeah. But but he's, Zhevsky has found some ways to insert some variety at just the right points, right? Like he, he had already done the theme in 12 variations before he brought in the Banjara Rosa that we mentioned earlier. And, and now we've gone another... Uh, you know, about as long into the into the work. Oh man, I didn't even notice that. So we were, we introduced the first one at thirteen, and exactly twice as many variations later is the next one. Oh man, oh. so I didn't even oh, make man. that connection. Nice. Whoa, I just I just Whoa. realized it as I was saying it. You just blew um, my mind. Boom. <laughs> so this is uh, now a, 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 another leftist uh, 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 protest song. And and this one is delightful because it's got words by Bertolt Brecht, um, but it's it's Hans Eisler that we're hearing. Obviously, not not a lot of words in the piano music, um, but it's Solidarit's lead, the Solidarity song, um, and it is really different than either of the other two themes. The the it's it's very martial. Yes, it's, it feels. <laughs> Like a German march when you listen to right, it. Right, right. Um, and uh, it, it, it kind of creeps in in different ways. And I, I mentioned earlier that there are some kind of characteristic things that Jevsky pulls out of this. And I think he kind of alludes to this even in the previous variation in, in 25. But it gets its, its full statement here in 26 where you've got these, these repeated... Um, uh, notes and the uh, the dotted rhythm, bum 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 bum, and that like feels very uh, I, I, martial is is the the best word I have for yeah, it. I guess yeah. that that's the word. Feels kind of dorky sometimes, but anyway, um, there's that, and then the 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 um, the falling half step at the end of the phrase is something that you get a lot of, not just in this variation, but in the next. And so, I mean, I really like this because of that um, that new kind of thing. And then after you get the statement of the new thing, there's this transformation of the People United theme kind of in the, the same martial rhythmic style of the, the Solidarity song, which is a really interesting mashup of the two ideas. Right, right. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, one of the things that I really liked about this variation too, and his choice of solidarity song, that it d- is such a contrast. You know, the other two are you know have the, such uh, Latin kind of syncopated, danceable rhythms, you know, and cross rhythms and stuff, and this is so da 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 
you know it's just there's nothing syncopated about it it's just very square yeah very very square yeah um but you know uh like the other two songs this was written uh in the early 30s you know when uh, uh the nazi party was coming to power in germany and um it was another one of these sort of militant anthems that was, you know, sung in the streets as protest song and public meetings and stuff all across Europe. And so it shares that kinship, you know, with these other two songs that he used. Um, yeah, let's check this out. Variation 26. Variation 26, and we're going to move on to the very next variation, uh, 27. And, uh, yeah, the disco movement. The disco <laughs> movement. You call this the disco movement? I can dig it. All right. This is a great one, though. I love this variation. Love so, it. So this this was one of mine, right? This, uh, I, yes. I, I didn't remember. Yes. Okay. So there's there's a, a, a kind of free-ish introduction kind of thing and then there's a section that's marked uh, cadenza, and and then we get into this really groovy section, which I assume is is why you're calling it the disco section. Yeah, it's got um, the octaves. Doo, 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 doo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's got these 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 left hand accompaniment patterns that are repeating very precisely. There there's two note patterns, and there are uh, four note patterns. And then above that, there are all these changing meters that change where the pulse goes, but the left hand just ignores it entirely and just keeps plugging away in whatever its its two beat or four beat pattern is, just keeps on keeping on. And then there's a three beat pattern later too, but it it just is doing its own thing. And not only is this a pretty wild example of you know cognitive virtuosity for the performer um it's a really interesting thing to hear because you can it, it's there's this this really delightful uh metric counterpoint between the left hand and the right hand um and and that's something that i really love listening to in music is is when two parts of the music disagree on what the downbeat is. That's my favorite thing. Yeah. 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 You know, my favorite thing about this variation is that in my opinion, it's just, is one of the great unexpected moments that you get in this piece, you know, as you're listening to it, the, the cadenza rather, um, you know, the first part of this variation is, it's almost like this uh, sort of esoteric, almost like uh, transitional material uh, from the previous variation 26 is what it sounds like to me. And it's sort of moving and, and uh, you know, moving around keys and sort of uh, almost sounds like uh, transitioning to something. But then it goes into this, like you said, you know, this cadenza, this, uh, I don't know, almost pop-like section. Yeah, and it's, um, it, I'm glad that you mentioned that there's like a transition inside the variation. This is a like musically a really meaty section. Yeah. Like this could easily have been divided into two or maybe even three other sections. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so let's hear this. This uh, is Variation 27. Mm-hmm. 
We just heard Variation 27, and we're going to, uh, as our last excerpt, we're going to ha- hear a little bit of Variation. Um, this would be, well, this would be Variation 37, right? Um, after all the main variations, this is the one marked Cadenza uh, Improvise, right? So this is the uh, the optional part for the pianist where they can improvise their own section you know and and again it's completely optional many uh classical and classically trained pianists uh well many of them i imagine would skip over this because uh improvisation is not something that's traditionally uh taught or you know uh given any credence really (laughs) i feel like it's making a comeback it, it like is among it, people that are that are playing Jevsky's music and new music in general. Improvisation is making a comeback. I feel like I see a lot more schools that are teaching uh, improvisation in a more general way and not like how to how to you know play a few blues choruses or or yeah. rhythm changes or giant steps or whatever. But is more like here's how you structure an interesting thing. Here's how you listen to and react to what other people are doing. Here's the 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 things that make improvisations work and make improvisations fail. Right. And and I and and I think there are a lot more people that are getting really good at that. Uh, now I'm a dumb trumpet player. I could not imagine <laughs> doing this on a piano where I'm responsible for for all of those notes. That would scare the heck out of me as <laughs> as a as, as a trumpet player. I can I can totally handle it as a trumpet player, but yeah, um, de- yeah. not not as a pianist. Yeah, I, yeah. I imagine you as a guitarist probably could could do much better than me. Well, I don't. I mean, you know, guitar players I think are more used to, uh, you know, improvising in different ways. You know, um, but classical pianists, I think you're right. I think it is making a comeback. You know, you know, I have a a good friend who's a fantastic pianist. Um, named Gregory Hall, who uh, one of his main things is he's a classical improviser and um, he's amazing at it. Uh, you know, he, he does whole entire concerts where he will, you know, every piece will be, a you know, quote unquote, classical improvisation. Um, and he'll even um, do things where he'll take 
it's just little ideas from the audience. The audience will shoot out some kind of little uh, uh, poetic snippet or a little melody or something, and then he'll do this completely improvised piece on that, like right on the spot. And he was just telling me about there was a a competition, a classical improvisation competition that just happened, I think, in Canada. And it, it brought in improvisers from all over the world. And uh, improvising in like capital C classical style uh, or like, you know, just, in, in different there's different approaches. Um, yeah. Just, you know, like I want to hear somebody improvise a fugue. Like well, Bach. there were there were people doing that. I, wanna, that's, I, I yeah. know that's a thing. Yeah, I've not heard it, though. Yeah. So um, that's one approach. There are people that were definitely uh, doing that and and uh, different approaches. Very interesting. But yeah, I think you're right. It is making a comeback. And uh, Mark Hamlin, you know, Mark Andre does a, a terrific job. I mean, he does a, a really substantial improvisation here that's, you know, um, longer than any of the variations. It's about six and a half minutes. Um, so uh, let's check it out. Let's check out his variation, uh, his uh, improvisation here. Uh, this is the Cadenza, the variation 37. just heard a variation 37 and that is going to do it for our uh variations um our show on chevsky's uh the people united will never be defeated you have any closing thoughts on the piece uh, no just to 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 emphasize to everyone that this is a really wonderful piece that is absolutely worth an hour of your time i agree and and you know I I've I've looked for the the Mark Andre Hamlin recording that that uh, we've been using today, and uh, it's as far as I can tell it's not available digitally anywhere. Uh, if you if if you're listening to the sound of my voice and you know somewhere that that has it available digitally, please let me know. But uh, <laughs> if if uh, if you want to listen, there are a lot of really great recordings of this, including. Um, Ursula Oppens, who who commissioned the work and premiered it, uh, and Jevsky himself, that that you can listen to, and there there are performances that are excellent all over the place. Yeah, I think it's the correct me if I'm wrong here. I think it's the Ursula Oppens recording that starts with the actual, I guess, field recording of the whole crowd singing the theme. Is that right? I know I've I know I've heard that recording. I don't remember what performance it was attached yeah. to. Um, and I, and I actually dug around on Spotify and found a bunch of different recordings of people performing the, the, uh, the protest song in like a rock band or whatever. And some of them are live and some of them aren't. Um, but yeah, there's, there are some neat recordings of it. Cool. Well, um, yeah. Uh, like Dave said, you know, uh, I, this is totally worth your time to listen to it from beginning to end is a, is a really amazing experience to hear. Tiring. But how, it. yeah, it's totally worth it um, to hear, you know, the journey that he takes these themes through. And uh, yeah, listen to it. Uh, 
let us know what you think if if you uh, like it or hate it or let us know let us know your thoughts um, you can send an email to all the cool parts at gmail.com you can go to our website and look at our show notes at soundnotion.tv slash ACP. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at... I don't have a separate Twitter account for, for this podcast. It's just at uh, Anthony Landman, I guess. Uh, maybe I should make a Twitter yeah, account right. for ACP. But right now, it's just at Anthony Landman. You can follow Dave at Dave McDow, right? Sure. D-A-V-E-M-A-C-D-O. Yep. Um, and uh, you can check out Dave on the other uh, shows on the Sound Notion Network, uh, Sound Notion. And um, you should listen to our Music is Hard archives, too. Music is Hard archives, you know, that's... Uh, They're evergreen. They don't, they don't expire. That's right. <laughs> Those are still very relevant. That's right. That's right. They're on themes. They're on enduring themes, right? That <laughs> that, uh, that that never go away. Um, so that's a, that's also a good one. I, I love that podcast. Music is hard. And then there's other podcasts on the network um, that people should uh, check out: Streamers and Punches and Patch In. And what am I forgetting here? Sound Notion. Well, yes, yeah, Sound Notion. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it. That one, that that one that, that that's the main one, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you're on. Um, so yeah, check that out. I want to uh, thank Dave for being here. Uh, it was great to have him on. It was very fun to be able to talk about this piece with you. You're and, quite welcome. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to do this again sometime. Totally. And uh, that is going to do it for all the cool parts. Thirty-seven. We will see you next time. Later. <laughs>